And the truth of his word is that your work matters to God. And I know we just had felt the presence of the Lord when, when, I, when I just said your work matters to God, some of you inserted a joke or a curse word in your mind about work or some retort like, yeah, right, you haven't been on my job. And I realize that work for many people in our North American culture is a four-letted curse word. But that thinking is not compatible with the Bible. Instead, the Scriptures help us understand that our work matters because it matters to God. If nobody on the planet cares what you do, God cares about what you do. He instituted work as part of His master plan for you, for your fulfillment and for your partnership with Him. And His Word ascribes a divine and eternal value to the work that you engage in. And His Word is filled with passages and principles and practical applications for you and I to guide us as Christian employees in the workplace. So, as already has been stated throughout this month, we're going to just slow down and examine various aspects of the biblical perspective of our work. What does the Bible have to say about me at work? And tonight, specifically, we're going to start by looking at some specific um, biblical passages that address the Christian employee. Everybody say employee. And to get us started, Sister Christy Brock is going to come, and she's going to share with us some of the Christian characteristics that we should already possess, right, that equip us to excel in our places of employment. Sister Christy works as a global recruiter on the Accenture Behavior Interviewing Team, and Accenture is one of the largest consulting firms in the world. So would you welcome Sister Christy Brock. Well, I have to say this is a first. I've been up here in many roles. This has not been one that I've explored before. Huh, goodness knows. So tonight, I get the opportunity to talk to you guys a little bit about this new series that we're starting. And Brother John started with statistics, and I reached over to Bethany. I'm like, goodness, he's going to start teaching all my stuff, you know? Uh, so I'll only give one, and that is that in our lifetime, the average person changes jobs at least 10 times. You start counting on your fingers how many have you gone through already in your lifetime. I know, right? And because we do change jobs, that means that you are going to be putting yourself out there in front of other people many different times. And whether you're in a current job right now or whether you're looking to get a new job, you're going to be in a situation where people are going to be judging your character. Whether it be in the recruiting process, they're either going to look at that one or two page resume. They're going to look at your LinkedIn profile. They're going to look at your Facebook and you guys saw what happened this week about the whole Facebook thing. Uh, they're going to be judging your character with a snap in a snap finger moment. And whether you realize it, that character is going to either get you in the door or it's going to close that door for you. Uh, at my company, uh, I, like Brother Jerry said, I am a recruiter and I conduct what we call our critical behavior interview. And my company obviously has a mission statement like everybody else. But we also have a core set of values 
that they expect people who are coming into my company to exhibit. And the vast majority of them are very much Christian-based values. And so I get to have conversations with people to see if they are going to exhibit those characters within our organization. And the goal basically is to make sure that our brand is consistent, regardless of what office you're in, what location, what work stream you're in. They want to make sure that they're presenting the best company they can possibly present to our clients. So the core values that we... Uh, go through at at my company is integrity. Goodness, that one should obviously be a a Christian value. Respect for individuals, stewardship, client value creation, best people, and one global network. Like you guys can see, uh, most of these are already things that you're going to say, well, I'm a Christian. I possess those. Well, let's talk about integrity. I mean, integrity is simple. It is the quality of being honest and having strong moral values or principles. And like we said, as Christians, we should already have that as part of our daily walk. In Psalms 78, God specifically chose David because he was a man with integrity and would lead with skill. Uh, And so if God chose David, a man of integrity, why should we not pattern that after, you know, pattern our life after that as well? Now, stewardship is another one that my company obviously focuses on heavily, and it is something that here at Atlanta West we have talked about many times. We just recently did a uh, series on it, and so you understand that stewardship is the job uh, of supervising or taking care of something. The careful, responsible, responsible being the key word here, a management of something that you are entrusted to, and many of you guys work in the, uh, you know, work in, in different secular jobs. What are you entrusted to? Are you entrusted into someone's finances? How do you manage their books? Are you keeping things clean, consistent? Are you managing your budgets effectively? Are you in IT and having to deal with personal data? Uh, Goodness, another breach in IT just recently. Goodness, people have to be very diligent and very careful with what they do. Uh, Matthew 25, I'll just bring this one out here because Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the parable of the talents. And so you have this, we'll just call him the employer, the owner of the estate. He decides to entrust his wealth to his employees and he leaves. He comes back. Two of his employees have more than doubled what they were given. They showed that they were good stewards of what he had given them. They returned and added value to his company. We'll put it that way. But one chose to be lazy. They chose not to do what they were supposed to do. Well, obviously, he was called wicked and lazy and uh, was, got in a lot of trouble for that. So as stewards on our job, we should be good stewards, not just of our jobs, but uh, we should be looking to add value to, to our companies as well. The final one I'll mention real quick. Those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, you will probably remember a post that I posted uh, a few months back. Our, our company looks for what we call the best people. Well, not everybody that comes through my conversations are the best people. Uh, recently, I had a conversation. I was doing a video interview with someone. The person popped up on the video. He is sitting on the floor, blue jeans with the knees torn out, hair going all over the place, um, very casual. I don't think he could have been more comfortable unless he'd have been in his pajamas. Anyway, we begin this conversation, and obviously in my mind I'm thinking, what in the world is this person doing? I mean, how is this professional attire? Goodness gracious, where is this going to go? Kept having the conversation with him. Apparently he had not had dinner. 
He reached over to the side in the middle of a conversation and brings back a box of french fries and proceeds to eat them in front of me and answer my questions at the same time. So I'm getting the view of the mouthful of french fries. He gets choked up. He reaches over to the other side and out comes the bright pink Disney princess sippy cup and proceeds (laughs) to drink from this said sippy cup. Okay, now, realistically, would you guys hire this person? And I had to keep myself from laughing because, realistically, what kind of, a, of an image was he presenting to me, a potential employer? And, uh, obviously, you know, as you guys expected, that person did not, did not, did not pass that particular interview. And while this st- story is funny, it is amazing what people in this world consider acceptable, they, they, they think anything goes. And he was very, very surprised that I did not pass that, you know, allow him to pass that interview. And so what I would say tonight before Brother Jury comes back is that you guys have the opportunity on your job when you're in the workplace or even when you're going through that recruiting process, you are right there giving a, a, a peek into your character. Who are you? What do you believe? What are you going to bring to the table? Are you going to be someone of integrity? Are you going to be someone who is a good manager of your time, a good steward of of the things that you are putting responsible for? And are you that best possible person for the job? Uh, Colossians 3.23, and they may cover this later down the road. It says, whatever you do, do it with your, do it, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Amen. Thank you, Sister Christy. I'm not sure that I'm going to say anything that will ever top taking an interview with a pink sippy cup. (laughs) So we're going to turn to the word of the Lord. Wow. And we wonder what's happening to our economy. Praise God. So we're going to deal with the biblical perspective on an employee. Sister Christy has already uh, done a tremendous job from her view as a recruiter helping us get started. But there's no way to exhaustively deal with that subject. The Bible is replete with passages that deal with us in our employment role with an employer as an employee. But I do want to focus our attention throughout uh, the rest of our time together on a few select passages that I think kind of build this governing framework that should guide our conduct as an employee. And the first passage we want to look to is in Colossians. I'll not ask you to stand. As Paul was apt to do once he was kind of done teaching on doctrine or refuting some false doctrine and instab- or dealing with church problems, he typically would close out his epistles or letters with uh, just an array of practical teaching, practical training. And... That's exactly what he does here in Colossians. He instructs them that here and near the end of his book that the reality of being a spirit-filled believer is that that has to be evident in our behavior, in our relationships, and in our spiritual disciplines. And, And before we kind of dive into his passage dealing with us as employers, it's essential that we first understand the underlying principle to help us understand that everything Paul is teaching right now is based on this fundamental universal principle. And we find it in Colossians chapter 3, 
and verse 17. Colossians 3, verse 17. If you have your Bible or app, you may want to turn there. And uh, we're going to spend just a few moments in chapter 3. But Paul said, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's the bottom line. That is the primary motivation for everything we do as a Christian, including our work. We do it in His name, and we do it for His glory, and we do it with gratitude. Everything I talk about from the Holy Scriptures this evening is based on that universal principle. That everything we do, including our work, is unto the Lord for His glory. It's to please the Lord. It's to honor Him. It's to exalt His name. That is the foundation of everything that we could even think or talk about when it comes to being a Christian employee. So, on that foundation, now let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. And then drop down to verse 22. And here Paul specifically deals with the role of the employee. He's writing to Christians, bondservants, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. Sister Christie read, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Now I get that you and I do not live in a slave master culture. We're not a part of a slave master economy. But Paul's teaching to Christian slaves remains broadly applicable in our 21st century context of employee-employer. And so be careful that you don't explain away biblical principle because Paul is writing to Christian slaves. These principles are broadly applied in our 21st century environment, which is an employee-employer relationship. So they're applicable to you and I. Can you say amen? So let's take a closer look. Bond servants, Paul said, I want you, or employees, just everywhere you see bond servants, you insert employee. Everywhere you see master, insert employer. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not, not with eye service, but at, or as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Quite simply, Paul tells us that as Christian employees, we should faithfully and conscientiously perform our duties. We should fulfill the expectation of our employers. And we don't do a good job. We don't fulfill our expectations. We, we don't work conscientiously and with integrity just because we want our boss to notice. We don't do this just because our superior is watching and neither should we only do it because we want a promotion or a raise. Paul said, we do this all the time because God is always watching and all that we do should always be 
in His name and for His glory. We reverence Him and we want to please Him, fearing God. What is our motivation as a Christian employee? I want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. What is my motivation to be faithful in my responsibilities? I reverence the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do it as unto the Lord. I'm not doing it because there's a security camera. I'm not doing it because the big wigs in town this week. I'm not doing it because it's just about uh, annual evaluation time. I'm not doing it because I think a promotion is coming up soon. I do it as unto the Lord. And I'm consistently trying to be the best employee that I can be every single day as unto the Lord. Amen. Eight people like that. But here's the deal. All the rebuttals. All the reasons you just had why this is not for you. Before you can even get it out of your mouth, Paul just kind of reiterates this principle that just annuls everything you just thought of. Because Paul said, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So every excuse, all of those that just exploded in your mind, right? Paul said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to take them all away. Because no matter who you are, and no matter who you work for, if you're an employee, you should be doing it as unto the Lord, in reverence to God, wholeheartedly, all the time. Amen. We're down to three people. Wow. That's right. It's where we live. With these two simple verses, Paul eradicates every Christian excuse for why you should now ne- you don't have to follow these principles. Every reason you can articulate as to why you don't have to work diligently, as to why it's okay if you're not conscientious, as to why, you know, all I, I, I've been there, right? I've been there. That, I, I think of the excuses. But Paul said, eradicated, gone. Our work is unto the Lord. And that simple statement annuls the excuse of laziness, it, it eradicates half-hearted effort. It demolishes our whiny attitudes. All the excuses of the North American entitled employee are wiped out by God's holy word. Amen? Every excuse you just thought of, and their cousins and third cousins, focus on ourselves Focus on the boss, focus on the company, focus on other employees, focus on the client or the customer, focus on compensation, focus on benefits, focus on everything but God. 
But Paul just winds it all back in, puts it in a nice little capsule, buries it a thousand feet deep and says, whatever you do in word or deed, you do it as unto the Lord. If, there's not a lot more to say tonight. I have to fill some time. It's too early to dismiss. But Paul kind of just did, right? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all for His glory. For His glory. Your excuse does not stand up in the court of the Bible. And in that judgment, it will not work. So get over it. And if you're an employee, be a Christian employee and do it as unto the Lord. Now, hey, compensation matters. And your work environment is, is important. But if you've agreed to be an employee, your motivation is Jesus Christ. And based on His example, you're obligated to give Him your best. And that means you're obligated to give your stinking employer your best effort, not because of who they are, but because of who He is. Amen? So it bears repeating. As Christian employees, we should be trustworthy, we should be dependable, and respectful to superiors as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve not man, not that corporation, you serve the Lord Christ. The good news is, is that when I work as unto the Lord, I get paid by the Lord. And the last time I checked, there is no scarcity in His economy in the present or in eternity. So if you're frustrated and feeling tight and squeezed, hey, you just work as unto the Lord. There is no scarcity in God's economy. Amen? Paul just like, I'm going to tighten it one more time. In verse 25. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. In a, in a uh, parallel passage in Ephesians, Paul does the same thing. He ends with this, this admonition. He just spins it positively. So whether you do good or you don't do so good as a Christian employee, all of us will ultimately stand before the judgment seat of God and we will give an account of our conduct and that will include our conduct on our job. Yeah. Paul is relentless. I mean, he, he busts out and both eyes are black and our ribs are sore. He does not let up. Whatever you do in word and deed, you do it as unto the Lord. And you are to be a trustworthy, a dependable, and you're to do so wholeheartedly in reverence to God. And may I remind you, it's as unto the Lord. And by the way, He will reward you and you are accountable and will stand in judgment. That is a laser sharp sermon aimed at the Christian employee. Can you say amen? amen? Growing. The second passage that I want to look at is from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
Context here is Peter is writing also about relationships with others and how we are to conduct ourselves with non-believers and how we are to conduct ourselves with governments and how we are to conduct ourselves with employers and then family relationships. And in verse 18, Peter writes, Servants, 1 Peter 2 and 18, Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. Peter's not... He just kind of goes after it with, with a sledgehammer. He's not so nice and slide in. He, he just is blunt. Be submissive to your masters, whether they are a good one or a terrible one, yeah. unto the Lord. Because God thinks that's commendable. If in doing good you have to endure suffering wrongfully. And by the way, God doesn't have a lot of sympathy if you're beaten or punished because of your lack of Christian conduct. But if you do good and suffer patiently, that's commendable. So Paul, uh, Peter, like Paul, very similar, instructs us that my motivation to be a dependable and trustworthy employee is a deep reverence for God. It's not a fear unto the, of the employer here. It is the underlying fear of God or reverence of God and respect for the Lord. And further, my exemplary conduct as a Christian employee can never, should never be contingent on whether my work environment or my employer is good or bad. That has nothing to do with it according to the Bible. My attitude, my appearance, and my actions as an employee should be contingent solely on who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for me. Back down to three claps. I understand. I didn't like it either. Right? It's as unto the Lord. It's not contingent on the fact of your latest comp plan. It's not contingent on the latest health care options your employer rolled out. It's not contingent on the co-worker in the cube next door. It's not contingent on the profit sharing plan. It's not contingent on the type of customers you have to deal with. It is contingent solely on who He is and on what He's done for us. And all that we do must be as unto the Lord. Dr. Howard Hendricks tells the story of being on an airliner. 
It was delayed on the ground, right? Common occurrence. Happened to me Friday. I wasn't on the plane, though. Passengers kind of, you know, as they do, people get restless. There's always that one, right? You've been on that flight before where that in long delays, some people start losing their mind. And uh, this was happening, and one obnoxious man was losing his mind, and he vented his frustrations at and upon and towards this stewardess. And, and in spite of the length of the delay, she remained ever gracious, courteous, and he was unrelenting, unrelenting. That's a word in Greek. I'm taking Greek and I just wanted to impress you with that Greek word. Relentless. After service, I'll pronounce it for you correctly. She remained gracious, courteous. Finally got airborne, you know. Thank God people calmed down. So Dr. Hendricks called the stewardess over and said, I'd like to get your name and because I'm going to write a letter of recommendation to your employer. That was amazing. But Dr. Hendricks was surprised because this, this lady said, Thank you so much, sir, but I, I don't work for American Airlines. <laughs> he he's has this moment, and he doesn't really know what to say, and so he sputters something like, You don't? And no, she explained, I work for my Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Peter and Paul are talking about right there. I don't work for fill in the blank. I work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in light of who He is, in light of what He's done for me, there's not a big enough jerk on this planet. There's not a corrupt enough system, boss, company that should make me be less than the Christian employee God's Scripture calls me to be. Amen? But Peter's clear. When we endure tough working conditions, when we endure unethical employers, when we endure unequitable compensation while faithfully performing our duties, God takes Notice, right? Now, I want to be careful here. I, this, the, this is not about roll over and be a doormat and you can never move on. Thank God for an economy and the freedom that if they're not equitable, if they're not ethical, if they're not treating customers, if, if, the, if that job is unbearable for you, you can move on. But while you're there, as an employee, you'd have no wiggle room by the Word of God to not be a faithful, devoted, trustworthy employee. Because God takes notice. It's commendable. It's like, well done, thou good and faithful, commendable. That's the kind of commendation we're all seeking, commendation we're, we're all uh, seeking to receive. But on the other hand, in, in, in that next verse, Peter's pretty clear. He gives no sympathy. If a slave gets beaten because a slave doesn't do what he's supposed to do, as harsh as that is to our North American sensitivities, guess what? The Bible is not sympathetic. There's no glory in you or God if you reap the consequences of being a poor employee. 
Don't blame the devil. Don't blame God. If you don't show up for on time, if you're haphazard, if you have a stinking attitude and you get fired, it's all about you, not God and not the devil. And the Scripture's not sympathetic. But when you suffer and while doing good, when you are enduring an, an unethical boss or an un, you know, a situation where you're not being treated right, guess what? God takes notice and your reward is in Him. Man, I know we don't like this stuff, right? It messes with our entitlement. It messes with our rights as North Americans. We're Americans. We have rights. Right? The Bill of Rights. You know, there's the Labor Board, and there's Labor Unions, and there's the National Labor Relations Board, and come, you can't do that. Now, all that might be true, but before you can even scream out your rebuttal, just like Paul, Peter pulls the God card. I mean, you, you're ready. You're ready to take Peter up. You're ready to, to write a, a, a legal brief to explain to him the error of his ways. And he just pulls the God card. For he says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Peter just pulled the God card on every Christian employee and said, Yeah? Bad, unethical, not fairly compensated, horrible customers, terrible work conditions. But Christ suffered for you. And you're called to follow in His example. And um, your motivation is as unto the Lord. That's tough. Can you say amen that that's tough? Yeah. So when things don't go the way we want them, when that lazy coworker who panders to the boss gets promoted, yeah. that's who's speaking next Wednesday right there. He's got a story. When our compensation is no different than the coworker who shows no initiative, I've lived in those shoes. Oh, you're, you're the such and such rank in your class. We're so excited and proud of you. You're on the partner track. you got a bright future. You know, the buzz goes around the office. I'm not making one dime more than the knucklehead who comes in red-eyed and is only looking for next Thursday's party. I've, I've lived, I know what that is. But it's as unto the Lord. I'm not here merely to earn a dollar more than all of my peers. I'm here... For God, whatever He's doing to equip for His glory, preparing, training, all of those things. So quit griping because you don't get paid or they're paid, you know. I'm not saying I didn't ever gripe. But I wasn't biblically right when I griped. I'm going to write a book on that. We have this inescapable example of Jesus Christ. When you come home and you're mad and you're frustrated or you're hurt and you're just, ooh, 
right? There's just this God card of Jesus Christ. And in light of the cross, every excuse I have to offer to not be a biblical employee pales and just kind of quietly fades away. Right? The last passage I'd like us to look at this evening is found Paul's writing to Titus. Paul is succinct here. Titus 2 and 9. 2 and 9. He says, Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Here Paul provides four guidelines for being a Christian employee. Number one, do your job. Do it well. Want to be a Christian employee? Starts with that. Do your job and do it well. Number two is don't challenge and defy authority. Don't be that person. If there's channels to deal with issues, deal with those channels. Go through the proper channels. Don't be that person. Number three, Paul said, don't be dishonest or a thief. I mean, he has to write this to Christians. These are new Christians with pagan backgrounds and a dog-eat world. Dog-eat-dog world, right? Paul's having to teach them some very basic Christian fundamentals that we just call, you know, our work ethic. But they're based on the Bible. And number four, Paul says, be trustworthy. Why? Why, Paul? Why do I need to follow what you say? It's the same consistent answer of Scripture. To honor and glorify Jesus Christ and be a witness to the sound doctrine of the gospel. Paul said that they may adorn. When you do this, you're adorning the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Do you know you wear the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ when you are a good Christian employee? That's why it's as unto the Lord. You may not like it. It may not be your dream job. But if you're there, you should be the best you can be. And because you're called to be a Christian employee, you're called to be an example, you're called to wear the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, That's what it's all about. So, let's talk about how we apply these biblical principles to our jobs. We'll be done. And by the way, that's your job. Right? 18th time back around on this, but it's your job. What what we've read and what we're going to talk about in practical application, it's your job that we're talking about. Not, Not my job or their job. It's all of our job. So first is, you and I cannot compartmentalize our lives into spiritual and secular silos. You cannot do that and please God. Your work matters to God because it is a part of His mission for your life. Amen? Amen? So it's not, you're a great Christian in the silo of Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. But you are a horrible co-worker in the silo of your job. Yeah. That's du- that, that duplicity 
eradicates your witness and means that you're really not a Christian. You're a pseudo-Christian. We don't live in silos. We live in one integrated life. And the holy and the secular is all as unto the Lord. So whether you're a cashier at your first job or you're the vice president of a major corporation, your work matters to God. So quit pretending and convincing yourself this little fantasy world that it doesn't matter how you work. It does matter because it matters to God. It matters to God. God cares about what you're doing and how you act on your job. Don't compartmentalize it. Secondly, the underlying motive that governs everything we do is to honor and glorify God. That's practical. Wages are important. Providing for our families is necessary. Accomplishment and affirmation are nice. Building wealth over time is wise. But our primary motivation must be to please the Lord. I want to please God with my life. By the way, we'll talk about this in breakout sessions. But you know, you, you may feel lost, abandoned, and in the worst job ever. I'd like to introduce you to a man named Joseph. Yet God used that to position him for something that nobody on the planet could have ever dreamed up. So in your worst nightmare job, If you'll do it as unto the Lord, you have no idea where God is positioning you and what He has in your future. But if you're lazy and and complaining and bitter and broken, you're going to miss your moment and maybe die in that prison. Thirdly, we should be faithful, we should be dependable, We should be trustworthy. That means showing up on time. That means not abusing breaks and lunchtime. That means not being a clock watcher. Goes down in shutdown mode about 4 p.m. So that at 5 o'clock and one-tenth of a second, you are bolting for the door. I work for a public institution. I know what I'm talking about. Don't dare step in the hallway at 5 p.m. You will die. (laughs) Angry men and women will trample you to death if you block the doors at 5 p.m. and 2 seconds. The problem was about 4 p.m. you could watch the workflow start coming to a stop. They thought I was the hardest worker on the planet. I only worked at 505 They had no idea if it was 5, 10, midnight. (laughs) Have an ownership mentality. Have an ownership mentality. Not my problem. Not my inventory. Not my scraps. Not my write-off. Follow through on your assignments. I'm trying to be fan. What I'm trying to say is do your job. Do your job. That's practical. Number four, don't be lazy. The Bible does not treat lazy people kindly. 
Proverbs says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Proverbs 6 and 6. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Proverbs 12 and 24, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. I'm going to be blunt. There are lots of Christians who are working in jobs and they're earning exactly what they're worth, complaining the whole time. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Own your life. Own your responsibilities and on where God's planted you, as unto the Lord. Like the ant, five. Like the ant, take initiative. Be proactive. You can't just sit there and wait on God to promote you to the CEO of the company when you're a pretty poor cashier at the moment. Be proactive. Number six, the amens will go quite here. Don't be a part of the water cooler gossip club. Always complaining. Always murmuring. Proverbs 14 and 23. In all labor there is... Did you you just hear that? In all labor there is profit. But idle chatter leads only to poverty. Number seven. Don't challenge and defy organizational authority, structure, and systems. If there's ways to bring change, bring them. If you're a part of change, be that change. But don't be the maverick who's always trying to shortcut and ignore your employer's processes. If you can't work in their system, ask God to get you another job. But while you're there, don't be a rebel. Amen? Number eight, be honest. Paul thought it was important. I'm going to say it tonight. All of you are honest, but I'm just going to follow the lead of Scripture and say, be honest. Be honest with your time. Checking social media and private email. Having a Bible study on company time. One principle of Scripture is not an excuse to violate another principle of Scripture. I don't care if you're talking in tongues and got seven people with your chart out. If that's company time, you are dishonest. Honor your company's time. Take advantage of breaks, lunch hour. If you have space granted, if that is within permission, exercise that. But honor your employer's time. Be honest. Be honest in your benefits. Be honest in reimbursement and travel policies. Don't steal supplies and equipment. I'm not talking about the three paper clips in the bottom of my backpack that probably came from Atlanta West and some stack of papers that I stuck in my backpack. But I am talking about when you're hauling reams of paper home and you, yeah. you've never bought tape, you've never shipped anything, you have the company FedEx number. That's what I'm talking about. Worship team, come. Amen. Seriously, it's in the notes. Worship team. And it's time because 
there's work to be done. So whether you're a nurse or a nanny, a software developer or a sanitation engineer, cashier or chef, public safety officer or painter, a lawn care worker or a lawyer, a home builder or a homemaker, your work matters to God. And the biblical principles that we have examined tonight are absolutely applicable to every single one of us. And the good news is, the good news is that when we embrace them and when we live them out, we please and honor our God. And we present a powerful witness to the purpose and the power and the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we position ourselves for God to promote us according to His purpose in our lives. Proverbs 22 and 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. You and I may never be invited to the White House, but when we are a true Christian employee, we will excel in our work. We will garner the attention of our superiors. We will position ourselves to be promoted. And whether our employers act or do not act in our best interest or even their best interests, we will ultimately stand before the King of Kings in His royal courts and we will receive our eternal world reward. That's why whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you're able, please stand. What would happen if every spirit-filled believer walked into their place of employment tomorrow and conducted themselves as unto the Lord? What would happen if every member of Atlanta West Pentecostal Church walked into their place of employment today and the days ahead? and conducted themselves as unto the Lord. Sister Christie mentioned that Accenture is looking for a consistent brand across their worldwide network and company. Jesus Christ is looking for a consistent witness among every spirit-filled believer that whether you're on the garbage truck or you're flying the airplane, no matter who you are and where you work, that you do it as unto the Lord. So that no matter where a human being may be, there is a shining light of the doctrine of Jesus Christ that can point them to the salvation that they so desperately need and that God paid such an ultimate price to grant as unto the Lord. Amen. It's, it's late, it's getting that time, but it's not that late. So if you're able before you have to go and work unto the Lord, would you join us here at the front? And I'm just asking you to examine yourself by God's holy word and then to dedicate yourself that God, I know, I know it's not my dream job or maybe it is my dream job, but Lord, I'm going to do it as unto you. I'm going to do it as unto you. Would you join us up front if you're able? As you come, would you just gather and press in as close as you can. Close your eyes and just lift up your heart. The worship team's going to sing.
And let's dedicate ourselves as Christian employees that God is as unto the Lord, is as unto you, God, for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Would you lift up your voice? Would you lift up your voice all across this place? And let's close out this self in a de- this service in a dedication to God.